Welcome to Farm Chica, the podcast dedicated to providing a holistic model for promoting sustainable lifestyles and ways to engage in traditional methods of homesteading. Join me, Renee Delgado Riley, a native-born New Mexican, as I share how I respect Mother Nature through easy-to-apply tips that anyone can do. Through this podcast, I hope to inspire you to tap into your ancestral roots and live a more traditional simple life that focuses on sustainability and respect to the earth. So join me as I share 20 to 30 minute tips that anyone can do. Peaches, my favorite fruit of all time. Because they're amazing. Welcome to Farm Chica's podcast where I'll be walking you through the awesome world of peaches and why they are my favorite fruit. And some awesome things that you can do with them. So peaches originated in China. Archaeologists believe that peaches in China were first domesticated along the Yangtze River, where they have been found fossilized peach stones believed to be from 6,000 BC. Imagine finding a fossilized peach stone. That'd be kind of cool. Historians have found peaches discussed in Chinese writings all the way back to the 10th century. And consistent with Chinese culture, the peach blossom thought to fend off evil spirits and provide vitality was embedded into the Chinese culture. For example, emperors were preceded by soldiers carrying peach blossoms. And as every new year began with peach blossoms hung on the front doors all over the country. To this day, China still is a leading peach producer. Half of the world's peaches are produced in China. That's 11 million tons of peaches per year, followed by Italy producing 1.5 tons, and then the U.S. at one ton, the famous Georgia peach. The botanical name for peach is Prunus persisca which is exactly translated from Latin to present from Persia. And this is really referring to the Persian introduction of the peach to the Romans. So after conquering Persia, Alexander the Great took peach seeds to Europe, marking the introduction of the fruits to Spain and France. In the 16th century, Spanish explorers brought the first peaches to South America. From there, the peach traveled to England, where it became a rare and prized delicacy. It was known that Queen Victoria's favorite treat was a fresh peach after dinner. In the early 17th century, an English colonist planted what we believe is the first peach in his home in Virginia, which is thought to be the first peach tree planted in North America. And in 1768, Thomas Jefferson planted peach trees at his state in Monticello, but it took about another 100 years for peaches to be commercially grown in the United States. They were first grown for sale by farmers in Maryland, Delaware, Georgia, and Virginia. Peaches now grow throughout the world's temperate regions, but find a uniquely suited home in Mediterranean climate. And if we are talking genetics, um, I just recently learned that peaches and nectarines are actually the same species. They're actually characterized by the existence or lack thereof of fuzz on their skin. So fuzzy fruit is a peach, non-fuzz is a nectarine. Growing Prunus persisca is easy. It produces large, unblemished fruit that can be shipped thousands of miles away and doing so reliably year after year. Up through the mid-19th century, peaches were primary kind of just a resource, um, specifically for local southern farmers in America. A few distilled them in 
to brandy. Uh, many had their wild hogs forage in the fallen fruit in their orchards. And they were just seen as an extra kind of abundance and not necessarily the main commercial use of peaches was seen yet. It wasn't until 1850 in which there was an effort to create a fruit industry for the southeast part of the United States. So horticulturists began selective breeding for different peaches and other fruit, including wine grapes, pears, apples, gooseberries, etc. And its most famous selection was the Alberta peach. This varietal came um, to be seen as one of the most successful of all times. Other fruits flourished for brief periods, but the southern peaches boomed. The number of trees increased more than fivefold between 1889 and 1924. And increasingly, growers and um, folks in the community began to really tell the story of that Georgia peach. They did so with peach blossom festivals, annual events, and really just talked about the history and prosperity of the peach belt. Each festival had a parade of floats, speeches by governors, members of Congress, massive barbecues, elaborate pageants, and really just beefed up the importance of peaches and celebrated this awesome fruit. So although peaches belong to Georgia, they have also made it really difficult because peaches require a unique climate to grow in. There's a lot that goes into peach labor. It's very difficult. Um, it has to be hand-picked. Mechanics are not a good place for picking the delicate fruit because you have to pick it at the optimal ripeness and you have to be able to judge and a mechanics is not going to work for this type of fruit. And as the rural working class left the southern fields in waves, first in the 1910s, 20s, and again in the 40s and 50s, growers found it increasingly difficult to find cheap and readily available labor. So although Georgia itself doesn't depend on the fruit, actually the state makes more money on other types of fruits, um, such as blueberries um, and also on cabbages. There's still quite a bit of peach orchards in the state and variable weather and environmental conditions make the Georgia peach possible. They also threaten its existence because of the humidity and because a lot of the shorter growth years out of Georgia peaches. So the Georgia peach also teaches us how important it is to learn to tell fuller stories of the peaches we eat. Stories that take into account not just the environmental and nutrition content issues along with growing any fruit, but also the history, culture, and politics associated with anything that we eat. So because peaches are my favorite fruit, I'm going to walk you through why it's important to grow your own peach tree. If you like peaches so much, don't rely on the Georgia peach or getting a peach from anywhere else. Of course, support your local farmers at farmer markets, but why not grow your own in your own backyard? homestead, or farm. You could actually grow a peach tree from the actual pit. Um, however, I'm just going to tell you how to plant a peach tree because that's easier. Go to your local nursery, go online and support your local nurseries, order some peach trees. If you're just going to get one, just go down to your local nursery. You can also go to One Green World in Portland, Oregon. They will ship everything to you. They're really awesome. You just got to get your order in early if you're going to order a bulk order. So this is where you're going to need to get on Google and you want to choose the type of peach tree that goes grows best in your climate. 
Peach trees grow best in climates with hot summers and winter temperatures colder than 45 degrees. So most peach varieties require time and cold temperatures in order to grow effectively. This cold dormancy period is known as the peach tree's chill hour requirement. So every fruit tree deciduous like a peach tree has to have a certain amount of chilling hours before it can break through that dormancy when the spring comes and then start creating those awesome peach blossoms, which then turn into the fruit. So before choosing a peach variety, look up the number number of chilling hours typical of a climate to make sure that it meets the requirement for your desired peach variety. So there are cold weather peach varieties. So if you definitely have longer winters um, or shorter winters. There, there are lots of varieties out there for growing a specific peach and it's important that you look into that before you plant peach tree. You wanna understand your zone. So this is why Google is your best friend in this process. So you wanna either plant in late winter, early spring, plant a container grown peach tree in early spring so that it has the entire growing season to adjust to the environment before winter. If you plant bare root peach trees, these are dormant trees that are stored without soil or their roots. You want to do that in late winter. Peaches love sun. So an extremely sunny and wind shielded location is ideal. Remember, wind chill will reduce the temperature with your peach blossoms and can actually make it so cold that they actually freeze. You want to aim for an area with well-drained sandy soil that has a soil pH between 6 and 7. If your soil has poor drainage, you want to plant your tree in a raised garden bed or a container filled with sandy, fertile soil or potting mix. In order to plant that tree, you want to dig a hole and drive a tree stake into the ground. So you want to make that hole a few inches deeper and twice as wide as the tree's root ball. So you want to hammer that tree stake into the ground next to the hole at least two feet deep. And I'll talk about in a minute why that's so important. So you want to create a small soil mound at the bottom of the planting hole just till you want to make it easy for your roots to break through. You want to take that tree ball and you definitely want to take your fingers in there and get sometimes um, the tree confines to that container when you buy it at the nursery and so sometimes you um, that ball can never escape and then it never roots and then you end up having a tree that just never propagates. So make sure you run your fingers through just to kind of break up that root stalk. So you want to spread the tree roots over the soil mound as you're breaking them up. The top of the root crown should be at ground level. While that graft union, you'll see that bump in the lower trunk between the root stalk. That's your little graft union, the bump. That should rest two to three inches above the ground level. So once you get it positioned, this might be a two-person job. You want to fill the hole halfway with soil and gently mix it around the root system because then you want the roots to, to spread and go into the ground. After you do this, you wanna soak the soil with water and wait until it drains. Next, check whether the depth of the tree's trunk has changed and adjust if necessary. So then you'll wanna fill the rest of the hole with soil. This just gives you an extra option to make sure you're planting it correctly. A lot of people, the biggest mistake new tree grower, fruit tree growers do is they bury the tree too deep. It definitely needs to have that bump right above um, the ground level. So you can do a couple of things. You can pile two to three inch high ring of soil around the root zone. The soil basin holds in water. And really just as you water the tree, it just allows it to soak into the soil easily. You can spread an organic mulch around the root zone. Mulch really helps seal in that moisture and enrich the soil. That's really just your preference. 
You can prune now, uh, but you'll want to cut the tree down so it's only 30 inches tall. This ensures that your young tree forms a lot of fruiting wood, leading to an increase in fruit production once the tree matures. Then you want to take that stake and attach the tree trunk to the stake using tree ties. And it's important as the tree is growing, this will help stabilize the tree as well as help support the tree when it has those large peaches that it's holding. So how do you care for that awesome peach tree? Did you realize new trees need two gallons of water per week? That equals one inch of rainfall. Once a peach tree matures, they can go a week and a half with about the same amount of water. So you wanna keep the soil evenly moist, make sure that it's never sopping wet. It doesn't wanna be drowning. You can fertilize in early spring with an organic fertilizer. Pruning is very important. Um, the reason you prune trees is not just to get that awesome fruit wood that you can burn in a wood burning stove or, or burn in an outside fire. In order to stimulate fruit production, it's important that you do this. So peaches bear fruit on second year wood, meaning proper pruning this year, the first year that you plant it, affects your crop the next year. So you wanna prune trees in early summer during the tree's first, second, and third years of life. After the third year, you wanna prune in that late spring and maintain the tree shape by cutting shoots growing from the center of the tree. Anything that shoots up from the bottom, um, you definitely wanna cut that and prune that down. Um, you you kind of want to shape your tree just for the ease of fruit production, but you want the tree to go outwards and upwards. You don't want branches going into each other. And then about an, after a month, your peach tree blooms. Remove the smaller peaches, leaving the larger ones spaced six to eight inches apart. This just lets the remaining fruit receive additional nutrients. Your tree's entire energy and mission is to bear that fruit. That is a lot of work for that fruit tree. So you want to make sure that all your resources are allocated wisely. So it's better to have a fewer amount of larger pieces of fruit rather than a lot of small pieces. And it just allows for a better harvest and it allows you to do better things with the tree and the fruit it produces. So a couple of things that you want to be aware of as you're growing a peach tree is peach leaf curl and brown rot are devastating. And these can be controlled with proper fungicides, and you can get organic ones just to kind of help. Uh, peach tree borers uh, can definitely kill a peach tree, and that's a pest that you can deter with uh, insecticides that are also organic. And so rather than wait for these pests or diseases to strike your peach tree, apply those fungicides and pesticides proactively. And again, you can go to any of your local nurseries and get any of these things organic. You can also make your own. You can just Google organic pesticides for fruit trees or for peach trees. And um, you'll get a lot of really cool ideas on people who are homesteaders out there trying to do really thing natural things because you don't want to contaminate and add unnecessary things to your environment. So I'm all about organic and all about homemade ways to deter those pests and prevent diseases. How do you harvest peaches? Well, peaches are harvested when you look at them, you touch them, and they're very soft and fully ripe. And it's usually any time from late June through July and even into August. With peaches, it's especially important to harvest at the right time. Though this timing depends on what type of peach variety you're growing, you can generally go by the color of the fruit. 
So when peaches are fully ripe, the ground color of the fruit changes from green to completely yellow or a blushing peach. No green should be left on the fruit. They should come off the tree with only a slight twist. And that goes with any fruit that you're harvesting. If you're tugging on any fruit, whether it's raspberries, blackberries, apples, pears, you shouldn't be pulling. A gentle twist, and if the fruit comes off, it is definitely ripe. The fruit found on the top and outside of the tree usually ripens first just because they're exposed to more elements. Also be careful when you're picking your peaches because some varieties bruise more easily and then that just adds that oxidation and they're more brown and they don't look as pretty, but you can still use them. And I'll talk a little bit about in a minute how I I deal with bruised peaches. So once you harvest those peaches, if you are not going to use them immediately, um, honestly, just eating them right off the tree is amazing, but you can store those peaches in the refrigerator in a plastic bag. They should be kept for no more than five days And you can use fresh peaches to make jams, jellies, peach butters, peach fruit leather, wine, make it into brandy. But peaches can also be canned or frozen for storage. And I'll give you some recipes on how to do that. So now that I've given you lots of ideas on how to grow your own peach tree, let me give you some recommended varietals. And actually, you can Google this. If you look peach zone Peach variety by grow zone, it'll actually give you by zone the types of varieties that you should grow. So just some recommended varietals that work really good. Red Havens, this is kind of the standard most popular choice. These peaches are the medium size, but they can be small if the tree's not properly thin. Its skin is tough and firm and red in color. Red Haven, great peaches. Then there's the Reliance peach, which is a hearty variety. It produces smaller and soft fruit. And then there's the Harmony, which is a winter hardy and moderately resistant to bacterial leaf spot. And it produces medium to large fruit and freezes well. And again, there are lots of other varieties based on zones from contenders to Florida beauties, etc., etc. So you definitely can Google and see what the best variety is for your specific grow zone. So just another tip when you're growing those awesome peach trees is that sometimes when they're bearing a lot of fruit, if you don't thin them properly, which means if you have a lot of fruit blossoms that blossom into fruit, you want to thin those out mainly not just so your tree can focus on less fruit and bigger, healthier fruit, but you don't want to take a chance of your fruit tree snapping in half. So what can you do with all that fruit? So if you're lucky to get some peaches and a great harvest, this podcast is for you. Peaches are my favorite fruit because they're so versatile in what you can do for them. So of course you could take a peach right off the tree and eat it. That's the best way to eat a peach, especially if it's perfectly ripe. You will never find a peach like that in the grocery store. They are super sweet and super amazing. So when you get those peaches, besides eating them, the thing that I'm always thinking about is how can I enjoy this harvest in the deep winter or months from now and even up to a year to 18 months to two years if your canned stuff and preserved food products from the fresh peaches last that long because I promise you after canning and doing things with peaches that outlast the harvest time, these don't last long. 
So my go-to recipe, just because it has won blue ribbons at the New Mexico State Fair, as well as the Lane County State Fair in Oregon, it's just really my go-to recipe. It's really delicious, peach jam. The reason why it's peach jam is because it's more actually more like peach preserves because it's chunks of fruit that I'm cooking down, adding some sugar and spices to, and then I'm taking that and pouring that hot liquid into jars and I'm canning that water bath canning that, and that is what you can put on PB&Js. You can just eat it with goat cheese and crackers. It's something that you can just have a spoonful within your oatmeal or whatever um, your preference is. It's a really good jam and preserve. So before you get to any recipe um, besides the wine that I'll talk about, everything is you're going to have to peel those peaches. So honestly, it depends on the variety, but most peaches and species that are uh, propagated and sold at local nurseries are usually free stone peaches. What this means is when you open the peach, the stone comes out more easily. If it's struggling to come out, it's because it's not a free stone. And I've had to deal with that with nectarines in the past where I've had to sit there and chop up the fruit. But most peaches are free stone. And so what you want to do is you want to wash your fruit. I usually buy a culinary grade uh, sanitizing liquid and I kind of just soak the peaches in there. And then you're going to need to blanch the fruit. And so the best way to do that is to get a um, pot of boiling water, either a pot or you can have like a deep skillet, have that water going, get it really, really hot and place those peaches in there for anywhere from 60 to 90 seconds. Then you're going to take that fruit out and put that in an ice bath of water. And you're going to let that cool because you can burn your hands. Trust me, I've done it many times because I've been too excited or processing so many peaches. I just want to get through with it. But basically, you're going to take that fruit that's in the ice bath and you're literally going to grab it with your hands and you're going to peel it and take out the stone. It's really that easy. I always say you got to wait till their little clothes come off and um, peaches are pretty easy to blanch. They're a little bit different than uh, tomatoes. I know some people score their peaches before they put them in the hot water to blanch them. Um, if you're picking them really ripe, you you don't need to do this. Uh, tomatoes necessitated a little bit more because their skin's a little bit different. So you're going to take those eight cups of uh, fruit, um, and usually I kind of take all the peaches after I peel them, and I put them in a, a colander-like um, contraption I have over another bowl because peaches are full of a lot of water. And so when I'm making jam, it takes a long time to cook down especially when I'm cooking at elevation. At sea level, it's a little bit different, but it still takes time. This jam and preserve recipe takes the longest to cook down and thicken up. So this is gonna help facilitate that and make it a little bit quicker of a process for you. So I, I put those in a colander over a bowl just so they can leak out some of the liquid. And then I take all those the fruit that's kind of been sitting there for a while and I put that in a bigger bowl and I kind of just like smash it down a little bit. But I, at any rate, I get to about eight cups mashed fruit, give or take. And what I do is I take that mashed fruit and put it in a big pot. And I turn on the burner on medium low and I add in a box of pectin. Um, I have another podcast focused all on canning. Um, the reason I use box pectin, it's just much more reliable. I, I know it's gonna happen, it's perfect. So you take the eight cup smash fruit, add in that box of pectin. Um, you can add lemon juice. You don't necessarily need to with peaches because they're acid level, but I'll usually add like about a tablespoon or two of lemon juice. And you kind of let that cook a little bit. And essentially what you're doing is you're activating that pectin. Once you kind of see some slight bubbles on the surface, that's at the point you're gonna add your six cups of sugar. So six cups of sugar for eight cups of fruit. 
Yes, y'all, this is a lot of sugar. This is probably my most sugary jam recipe that I make. And it's because it takes forever to cook down. And so I wanna make sure that the sugar is helping um, create that gelling effect along with the pectin. And then I kinda just let that cook down. Um, it can take a pretty long time depending on where you're at, um, elevation wise. Um, but you know, it can take even up to 40 minutes to an hour, depending on the, the environment. Um, at that point when it's about mm, very, very close to getting gelled. And usually my test is you can listen on my canning podcast, but I basically take, um, either a cooled small little dish from the freezer or I just place some aluminum foil on the counter and I take a spoonful out of my pot and I let hit temperature and then I'll just kind of check if I can um, pick it up with my finger and if it holds onto my finger, it's definitely the right consistency. So that's the way that I check. Um, I know that some folks um, will scoop off their scum um, of, you know, the fruit when it boils, it creates this like fruit scum. People will scrape that off or some people add butter to kind of eliminate that. I don't add butter. I just don't like adding extra stuff to my jam. So I just skim off the foam as it's cooking. Uh, but right before it's gelled up or right at the point it is, is where I add in um, cinnamon or Penske's pie spice. And I add that in there, let it um, flavor it up. And then I take that and pour that into sanitized jars, add the lids and rings. And then I water bath can that. Um, depending on where you're at, anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes. So another great recipe that is kind of my go-to when it comes to peaches is peach cobbler. I just love peach cobbler. There are lots of recipes out there and I've been open to trying many different ones, but I've pretty much found a recipe about five years ago and I have not deviated because it's a really great recipe. Essentially what I do is I take about eight to 10 peaches, fresh peaches. This is what it takes. And then I'll talk in a minute about how you can can this same filling minus some of the other ingredients and then open that up in the dead of winter and just do your topping. And you have a peach cobbler that you can take to an event or have for a brunch or just have for a dessert recipe on um, after dinner. So you take those fresh peaches, um, they're peeled and pitted um, and kind of cut into wedges. Um, I really don't sit there and cut my peaches. I kind of like peel them and then just with my hands because they're so ripe, they just automatically go into the dish. Um, you can do different sizes. You can do like 10 by 10, 8 by 8. Um, you could even do um, a 9 by 13 casserole dish. Um, then you would want to add more peaches. So you want to want to double it at this point. But this is probably for like a 8 by 8, 10 by 10 little tiny um, casserole dish. And on those peaches, you're just gonna add a quarter cup sugar, white sugar, a quarter cup brown sugar, and you're gonna add any kind of seasonings of your choice, cinnamon, nutmeg. I do the Penske pie spice because it's just great. And then I add a teaspoon of fresh lemon juice. The reason you do this with fresh peaches is they start to brown and oxidize. And so you could either add citric acid or lemon juice to them to um, keep them from browning. Um, and so for a thickening agent, um, you can either use cornstarch, you can use flour. Um, it's really a preference. I opt uh, for cornstarch. It's just easier for me. And I just like the way cornstarch gels up really nicely. And so you'll mix about two teaspoons uh, per eight fresh peaches and mix that into the little casserole dish. And then the next step is you're going to make your topping. And this is pretty easy. It's one cup flour, a quarter cup white sugar, 
quarter cup brown sugar. So the same sugar ratio that you put into your fruit is what you use for your topping as well. And then one teaspoon baking powder because you want the, the crust to rise to give you that like traditional southern um, delicious peach cobbler. Um, and then um, you're going to mix those in together. And then a half teaspoon salt. Um, I opt for some um, Himalayan pink salt. And then you're going to get six tablespoons of butter, or really you can use any kind of fat alternative. So you could, I've even actually done this with coconut um, oil. So it, it can definitely be substituted if you have lard, uh, pretty much any fat at this point. So you're going to take six tablespoons of butter, um, chilled, um, anything any fat that you're using needs to be chilled, just like kind of in a pie crust because we're doing kind of a pastry crust. And there's something about the cooled fat that just makes it so much easier. So you're going to take that and you're going to kind of, um, just like you would in a pastry crust or any other kind of pie crust, you're going to definitely um, mix that in until it's like coarse crumbles. And then meanwhile, you're going to take a quarter cup boiling water and you're going to slowly add that into this filling and you're going to make kind of like a doughy paste. And so that's your topping. Um, and so you're going to dollop that over your fruit. You're not going to mix it. You're just going to dollop it over. And trust me, it when it bakes, it's all going to come together. And then an added topping that I do is I get a tiny little bowl and I mix two tablespoons white sugar with just like a half teaspoon cinnamon, mix that in really well. And then I take that and I sprinkle it over it all. And I preheat my oven to 425 and I basically let it bake until it's ready. Um, this will vary depending on where you're at. It can take anywhere uh, from 25 minutes to 35 to 40. It just all kind of depends. I usually bake mine in New Mexico at like 30 to 35 minutes. That's just perfect because the crust is perfect. Um, I know sometimes if you take it out too soon, the crust quite isn't ready. So those are my go-to two recipes. When you give me peaches or I have peaches, I'm making some jam and preserves or I'm making some cobbler. So what else can you do? Well, obviously cobbler is fantastic and everybody loves cobbler. And as I said, it's a really easy meal to make, a nice sweet tooth, and um, it's just amazing. Um, so you can actually can peach cobbler filling. And let me talk you through some safety standards for that. So you can take a lot of your peaches and make your filling ahead of time, can it and process these. And then you can put these in your pantry or wherever you store your cans. And then when you want to make a cobbler, you pull that out and that's your fruit filling. And then you just have to make the topping, the pastry top. You can also use this to make a peach pie. I don't often make peach pie. I just opt for peach cobbler because it's really popular. Um, so for every six quart of peaches, this is sliced and pilled. You're going to add seven cups sugar. And so most people, when they make peach pie filling or peach cobbler filling, they use something called clear gel, which is a cook type, not the instant clear gel to add as a thickening agent. So that way, when you open that can, before you make the topping, everything's already thickened. I actually omit this ingredient. It's not necessary 
for safety for processing your cans. So I just submit it and then I add cornstarch or flour, a, a thickening agent of my choice when I'm ready to bake this. Um, so essentially what you're gonna do is you're gonna take the six quarts of peaches and it works best if you cook the peaches before, it just helps meld all the flavors together. And so what you'll do is you'll put the six quarts of peaches in a big pot, just kind of like you're gonna make jam. And you're gonna add about two to three quarts of water and bring it to a boil. So once boiling, um, you kinda just wanna let it boil for two to three minutes and then you wanna strain it, but reserve the liquid. Don't throw it away because you're gonna need about five cups of that peach cooking liquid. So as you remove those peaches, just keep them warm. And so you're gonna take about that five cups of peach cooking liquid and you're gonna add in seven cups sugar and you're gonna kinda cook that down. It's gonna kinda look like a jam. Um, this is definitely medium low at this point. And then you're gonna add a teaspoon of almond extract and it really just adds a unique flavor. It's really delicious. And then more importantly, you need to add a cup and three-fourths of lemon juice. I opt for the lemon juice that you buy in the store because it's much more reliable on pH. Every lemon has a different acid level and I just prefer to buy the organic lemon juice at Costco and that's what I use in all my canny recipes. So once you add in that lemon juice, which is very essential for safety, then you can add cinnamon or any other spices you want and then go ahead and add your peaches back in and you're gonna kinda just let it boil and um, you know definitely get some taste in there and flavor and it's just gonna be really delicious. Then you're gonna take that and you're gonna ladle it into quart-sized sanitized jars. And because there's a lot of air bubbles in peaches, you're just, I usually take a butter knife and I kind of push the fruit down just to kind of remove those air bubbles. And you definitely wanna maintain the right amount of head space on this. So you definitely wanna have a half inch of head space at the top of your jar. And then you'll process for 30 minutes if you're um, under a thousand feet in elevation. But if you're above that, um, I would recommend 40 to 45 minutes, just adjusting your cook time on elevation. And you process those and you have peach pie filling and cobbler filling. And all you need to do is add the topping or you can add this to anything. It's a really great recipe to have in your pantry. So some other go-tos for my favorite peaches is peach butter. I don't often make peach butter just because the consistency is more like applesauce or any kind of other fruit sauce. But essentially you'd make it very similarly to jam, except you either put this into a food processor or a blender and you blend it down and it makes that kind of like fruit puree experience. And that is what a peach butter is. So for any peach butter, you want to follow the recipe exactly the same way, um, except before putting the peaches in the pot and adding the pectin, you would want to puree it either in a blender or a food processor. And then you add your pectin, you add your sweetener and your spices, and that is your peach butter. So, and if you're like me after bushels and bushels of peaches, and you're just so sick and tired of making um, recipes, and I will mention for any of the 
the recipes for like jam and canning that I'm telling you, you can't double them because the way that things need to cook down in gel, especially jams and preserves and peach butters, is you need to make sure it's small batches. And so I wouldn't recommend trying to double it and then expecting the same level of consistency. That's just like a recipe for disaster. So definitely um, follow these recipes precisely in terms of the small batches. But if you're like me and you're like overwhelmed sometimes, sometimes I'm like, can I just blanch these peaches, take the stone out, put them in a sanitized jar and make a light syrup and can them? Yes, you can. And I usually opt for a light syrup. I think when I first started canning peaches like this, I wasn't really sure. And so I used the heavy syrup, which I think is a little bit too much. So for every eight to nine peaches, um, and I've seen beautiful peaches from Spain, just like whole peaches, just beautiful in jars, canned. That's just gorgeous. Um, my peaches don't always look that way. So I, I honestly will have like pieces of peaches, which is totally fine for me. It doesn't need to be aesthetic as long as it's clean and I'm sanitizing and everything tastes well. That's the most um, important piece for me. And I'm preserving that fruit for later to use. So for every eight to nine kind of medium-sized peaches, your syrup will be four cups water to a quarter cup lemon juice and two cups sugar. And so you want to take the water and sugar and lemon and kind of make the syrup and um, cook it down. Um, you're not really making a simple syrup because it's not that much sugar. Um, simple syrup is equal parts water, equal parts sugar. This is going to be mostly water. And so definitely have that going on a big pot. And then you're going to take your peaches and put them in those sanitized quart jars. I, I opt for wide mouth jars with peaches just because they're really big. And I opt for quarts because it's just a lot of work to do pints unless the only time I use pints is for my butters and my jams and my preserves. Um, everything else I opt for quarts just because you get more bang for your buck essentially. And so you make that, that light syrup, you pack those peaches in as much as you can right to the, like, the, the, um, rim of the jar and, or right to like where the jar thins up towards the top. And then that's where you start slowly pouring in your syrup. And you're not going to need a lot per jar because peaches are full of a lot of liquid. Um, so when you get to about a half inch headspace, just take a butter knife, um, and pack that in so you don't, um, you can reduce some of those air bubbles. And then you just want to water bath can those for anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes, depending on your elevation. And you have canned peaches that you can pull out and you can make anything with them at that point. And another awesome recipe that I use is fruit leather. Fruit leather with apricots and peaches and also strawberries. Those are some of the top fruits to make fruit leather. And basically what you're doing is you're drying your fruit. You're adding a little bit of sweetener or other things of your choice, and you're either um, using your oven on a really low setting or you're using a food dehydrator if you have one. And so for every five cups of fruit, and so five cups of pureed fruit, and so for example, if I was making peach butter, I would reserve some of the puree, um, and I would add in for every five cups of pureed fruit, I add in a quarter cup sweetener. So you can use honey, you can use five to 10 dates, you can use white sugar, brown sugar, whatever your choice is. Um, combine those things um, and you can re put them in the blender, just everything together. And then you want to do about an eighth of an inch layer 
on um, if you're doing this in your dehydrator, you'll definitely have the trays for this. If not, you can definitely just take a cookie sheet with either parchment or a silicone baking mat and just an eighth of an inch spread. And at the lowest setting, like 150 degrees Fahrenheit, um, you want to cook those down for six to eight hours. And in a dehydrator, you'll have different settings for fruit leathers. And then what I do is once they're like not tacky anymore, I take a pizza cutter and I cut them in long strips and I take some parchment and I roll them up with a little bit of twine and they are delicious for lunches, for just nice things that you can take camping or hiking. They're a really good choice. And my most famous recipe. Peach wine. Peach wine is definitely um, not for a novice. So if you've never made alcohol before or any wines, I suggest you listen to my homemade hooch because I walk through a lot of the processes. Um, but really, um, what's kind of cool about making uh peach wine is you don't have to blanch your fruit. You literally take out the stone and you put everything in a bucket. Um, of course, you make sure you clean and have everything sanitized, but you stick everything in a bucket with the right amount of water and you kind of let that sit. You add in your sugars. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Before you add in your sugars, um, you add some things to kind of kill the natural yeast and then a day later, you measure your gravity, add in the specific sugar based on your alcohol content, and you add in pectic enzymes, acid blends, yeast nutrients, and tannins, uh, just to kind of give it that awesome um, kick. And then basically, you add in your yeast, and then that's where it starts fermenting. Um, the yeast eats the sugar and poops out ethanol. And so for a refreshing peach wine, I usually make this in a five-gallon kind of recipe. Um, it calls for quite a bit of peaches. Peaches make for great winemaking because their high sugar content in comparison to other fruits have quite a bit of acidity, which makes them really a great fruit to ferment and make wine with. So what do you need? You need um, anywhere from 12 to 14 pounds of peaches and you take that stone out and put them in a bucket, add 4.4 gallons of water and go ahead and smash it up and get everything, you know, you, you want to stimulate the juices. Uh, this is your primary fermentation process. Uh, just to make it a little bit cleaner is um, the brew bags or the the kind of um, bags that you can make through winemaking. They just make it really easy. I'll layer it in a really nice six gallon size bucket, put the peaches in there with the water and just kind of smash it in. That way when I take the brew bag out, it takes all my peach um, gunk with it and it just makes it easier to have the juice. You can um, opt for not having that if you don't have that and you can just strain it later. So any wine recipe online that you will find will have the designated amount of sugar that you should add, but I like to do a little bit math and have a little bit more control over my alcohol per volume. And so anytime you're doing winemaking, you're going to need a siphon, obviously, to move the wine from container to container. But you're going to need a hydrometer, which is going to have measures in gravity, bricks, and other things. And so there are calculators online. So if you get a hydrometer that only measures the numbers in gravity, you can actually Google grav specific gravity to bricks, B as in boy, R-I-X, and it'll give you the brick scale. 
And so basically you're going to take your target brick scale minus your initial reading and you're going to multiply that by 0.125 um, and then multiply that by the gallons of juice. And so in this case, it's five gallons and that's going to equal the amount of sugar to add. So for example, if I want a target bricks of 24 and I have an initial reading of 17, I'm going to subtract that and multiply it by 0.125 times the gallons per of juice that I have five, and that's going to get my pounds per sugar. So I usually just take a little bit of the juice that I've now squished up and smashed up with the water. I put that into a cup and I take a turkey baster, just makes it easy. Make sure you sanitize everything and not use any metal equipment. I take that put some in the hydrometer and go ahead and measure my initial reading. My hydrometer measures in specific gravity and it doesn't necessarily have a brick scale. And so I will use that calculator. And that's usually how I get my pounds per sugar. But if this is too much for you, just add 10 pounds of sugar. And then you're gonna add um, in a Camden tablet. Or you can um, find potassium metabisulfite. Um, this is used in the brewing industry to inhibit the growth of wild bacteria and fungi. It's not necessary because honestly, our ancestors who made wine and, and made different things, they didn't have this available to them. Um, however, you can't control it and sometimes your wine will turn into vinegar and it's just so much time to make your own wine. I don't ever want to take that chance and I don't want it to turn into vinegar and I really want to control that taste. And so I usually add the Camden tablet or for every six um, gallons of wine kind of juice I have going on, um, I add in um, the, the three grams of the potassium bisulfite um, just to kill that wild bacteria. So you're going to let that sit for 24 hours. This is your primary ferment. And then you're going to add in any kind of champagne yeast. Just go to your local brew shop or online and look at best champagne yeast. This pairs really nicely with the peach wine. And then you'll add in 1.25 teaspoons of tannins. Or if you don't have tannins, you can add in raisins at this point. Um, and you can add in yeast nutrient, pectin enzyme, and acid blend. And for every one that you purchase, it will tell you how much you need for your specific batch. You will then primary ferment that for about a week, seven to nine days. Um, you'll want to put an airlock on it, or I usually just cover it um, with, I, I have one of those primary fermenting buckets where it has the lid and the little hole and I just stick an airlock in there and I let it go and it might go crazy. It's going to be really active during the stage. Um, you don't necessarily have to pitch your yeast. Um, you can just put most of the yeast I buy, you can just put that right in. You let it do its thing. Once it looks a little like ready, um, it slows down. It'll be really active within the first couple of days and it'll slow down. Then you're going to take it, strain it out. If you have a brew bag, take out all that juice Go ahead and siphon that and put that into a carboy. And you're going to put an airlock in there. And you're just going to keep letting it do its thing. And then every couple of months, you want to move it over back into the primary ferment bucket. And then clean out the carboy. Add it back in. This is called racking. And you'll keep doing that until you don't see any more of that gunk and must. And I call it that, that peach wine pulp. Um, I... 
my first time making peach wine, I didn't have that pulp. The second time I bottled it too soon and I definitely had some of that in there. It's totally safe to drink. There's nothing wrong with it. I just like my wine a little bit more clarified. And so once you get rid of that must after racking it over a period of time, usually about six months with peach wine, six to eight, depending on your type of fruit you're using, you'll then go ahead and bottle that. And peach wine is um, served best for, um, cool. And you want to definitely consume it within 18 months. It's not a type of wine that gets better with age. Uh, this kind of fruit wine is definitely more tasty earlier on. Peaches. Oh my goodness. There is so much to do with peaches. And there's a reason why I love peaches because they're very versatile. There's a lot you can do. They're beautiful. They're amazing in so many different ways. I hope I inspired you to go plant a peach tree. I hope that you'll support your local farmers in buying their peaches. And I hope that you'll make some, at least at the very minimum, some peach jam. Um, but this is just another way to live off your lands, whether it's your urban farm, backyard, farm or homestead, whatever that may be. Um, I hope to continue providing some great tips on how to live a more sustainable life as it pertains to being more kind to mother nature, but peach trees may be one of the many ways you can do that. Thank you for listening to Farm Chica. I look forward to sharing more podcasts with you in the future.